Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Amen. I appreciate everyone being here. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter number 17. John chapter number 17. What a blessing the reading of God's Word, the, the singing, everything that's been done thus far this morning. What a tremendous blessing. Uh, what these songs mean when you have found that rest in Christ is, is beyond all measure. Yeah. Like the song this morning. Yes. It's just... Uh, Resting in Christ, trusting in Christ, and what a blessing to have that, that privilege and that opportunity to be resting in our Lord. Amen. John chapter 17, we'll pick up in verse number 6 this morning, and we'll read down through verse number 19. Verse number 6, the Bible said, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. And have known surely that I come out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. <clears throat> and now come I to thee, and these things speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, 
that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Let's pray. Father, once again this morning, we thank you for being able to gather together corporately. We thank you for the personal relationship that we have with you. We thank you also for the chance and opportunity you give us to gather together in a setting as we are this morning. Lord, we ask you that we would be able to glean from one another those things that you would have for us. But now at this time, as we open your word, I pray that you would help us to glean from your word that which would be pleasing in your sight. I pray that you would open each heart. I pray that you would uh, allow your word to, Lord, comfort those that need comforting, to encourage those that need encouraging, Lord, to reprove those that need reproving. Lord, I pray that your word might do exactly what you send it forth to do. Lord, may we not take your word and try to force it to do what we want done with it, but Lord, may your word do what you send it forth to do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As we consider John 17 for the last 13 weeks, We've looked at verse number 1 through verse number 5. And we've looked at these matters as we've looked at that. We've looked at the Lord's own prayer. We've looked at why He prayed. We looked at the glory of God in the plan of salvation. We looked at the security that we have in God. We looked at uh, the Lord Jesus Christ being the Lord of glory. We looked at the antidote to introspection. We looked at the fact that Christ said it is finished. We looked at the hour that had come. We looked at that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. We considered the only true God, the new principle. We looked at being filled with life anew. And last of all, we looked at being safe in His eternal kingdom. Uh, this chapter can easily be broken into three sections, and we're going to begin now for the next 12 weeks. We're going to look at the second section of this chapter. And in looking at this second section of this chapter, we're going to consider being safe in the world. We looked at saved in eternity, but now we're going to look at what Christ was praying about us being safe in the world. You and I can rest assured that Jesus Christ did not leave us here all alone. Right. When we were born again, when, when we had the light of the glorious grace of God shed abroad in our hearts, and we received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, at that point, Jesus Christ does not leave us here on our own. We don't have to walk this walk on our own. We don't have to live this life on our own. It is and should be the Lord Jesus Christ living in and through us. And it should be our allowing ourselves, and we even mentioned this last week, that it's not so much that the world needs to see 
Christ in us, but it is that they need to see us in Christ. And if they can see us resting in Christ, that's what makes the difference. It's not me putting on a facade. It's not me putting something putting some kind of cloak on myself that, that this world might see what I'm clothed in, but it is that the world might see who I rest in. Yeah. And that rest, they may have a desire to want within themselves. Yeah. As we consider the message this morning, consider the thought this morning, we're going to kind of look at an overview of these verses, verse number 6 down through verse number 19, as an opening to this second section. And in doing so, uh, we can. there's only two points that we are, we're going to consider this morning as far as the prayer of Christ. And we're going to consider why He prayed, and we're going to consider what He prayed. Or you could put it this way, and in your bulletins, in your notes, in, the, in your bulletins, it would be the reasons, His reasons... For praying and his requests in his prayer. Why did you and I, as we look at this passage of scripture, we understand that this is the Lord Jesus Christ praying. The prayer that most people quote as the Lord's prayer was a model prayer that Jesus Christ was teaching his disciples how to pray. He was teaching them the things that should be a part of their prayer life. This, in John chapter number 17, is the Lord's prayer. This is what He prayed to the Father while He was here on this earth. This is not the only time that He prayed, but this is the intricate prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we find the Lord's prayer. But in light of what you and I know and what you and I understand of the Lord Jesus Christ, the question may come up in our minds, why did God pray? Uh, this is God praying to God. And when we consider that, the question arises, why did God pray at all? Why, did, why was there a necessity for His prayer? And we're going to look at that this morning. But not only why did He pray at all, but when He did pray, what did He pray? These are important aspects for us to consider. And as we consider why he prayed for his people, there are five things that I want us to consider this morning. Five things that, that he prayed as, as far as to why he prayed. And I believe we can see those in the scripture this morning. Number one, he does it first and foremost because of his great concern For the glory of God. His great concern for the glory of God. Look in verse number 6. He said, I have what? I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they are, and thou hast gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. And this kind of goes back into what he said previously in verse number 1 through verse number 5. He said, I have glorified thee, O Father. He had glorified the Father, but he was one part of the reasons for his very praying itself was his thoughts of the glory of God. 
And that's part of what led up to, he said, here in the, in the first part of verse number 6, he said, I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. It was more his, his, his reasons for praying, his why for praying, was more about the glory of God than anything else. You say, well, a lot of his requests, when we get down to those in just a moment, those requests were for us. So you would think his, his why in praying was for us. But if you look at it in the context of the scripture and you look at it as far as what Christ prayed and why he prayed, we understand that he was more concerned with the glory of God than he was with us. He knew that if he prayed more so about the glory of God and was more concerned with the glory of God, our being taken care of would kind of fall in line. It's the same way in our life. If we are more concerned with God receiving the glory, then the other things just kind of fall in place. Yes. Our problem is most of the time in our life is we, and, and, and man has this tendency, I don't care what he does, man has this tendency of, of, of taking something, turning it over and setting it on his head. Or as my grandma used to say, they got the cart before the horse. Yeah. A horse does a whole lot better pulling a cart than he does pushing one. Yeah. It's easy for him to pull one, but it's hard for him to push one. Yeah. And we turn things around and we want to get it, we want to make it complicated. We want to make it more difficult because if we do that, then our, the eyes are turned on us and it's not on God. And that's what Christ was praying is he knew that the eyes needed to be on God and not on man. And that in his prayer, he was first and foremost concerned with the glory of God. Not only that, but he prays for his own because of who and what they are. He prays for his own because of who and what they are. They are people to whom he has manifest the name of God. These are people that have not, and, and this is important that we understand that, Christ prayed, in fact he prayed here in verse number 6, this, saying, this, this point also comes from verse number 6, he says, I have manifest thy name unto the men that thou gavest me out of the world. Christ had manifest the name of God before these men. These men were not people that had just heard, but it, the name of God had been manifest to them. It had been given to them, and they had been, they had been given to the Son, and the Son gave them back to the Father. That was the plan from the very beginning. Uh, you and I looked at, when we looked at the first five verses, we looked at the fact that there was a council in heaven. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit devised the plan. And they devised the plan for the salvation of man. And the blessed thing about that is they devised the plan before they ever created man. Right. God made a plan 
And in the scheme of God, God knew things. God knew all things. But God, in, in, in our understanding, God made a plan before there was ever a need for a plan. That's just the kind of God He is. God, God made a way for you and I to be saved before there was ever a fall. What a God. And God was manifest to these men. He was made, that, that word manifest means to make known. God was made known to these men. And by the way, if He's made known to them, they know Him. And if they know Him, it is because He knew them. And we saw all that even in the first five verses. But understanding that He prays for His own. Why does He pray? He prays first of all because He's concerned with the glory of God. He prays second of all because of who these men are and what they are. Who are these men? These are the men that the Father gave to the Son and the Son gave back to the Father. What are they? They are His. Is what's important. They're His. Is that not what He told us even back in verse number 5? And I know that we're, we're looking at different sections, but you can't take these Scriptures away from each other. Right. They, they are understood in context of each other. And Christ even prayed. He said, as many as thou hast given me. So Jesus Christ is praying because of who they are and what they are. What are they? They are the chosen children of God. Yes. What a blessing. To know that God has chosen us in salvation. What a tremendous blessing. He not only prays for uh, prays first of all because he's concerned for the glory of God. He not only prays second of all because of who and what they are, but he prays for them because of the task that he is giving them. Because they are called. Because he has called them to do something. He has given them a task to do. And this is why he prays for them. He prays for them because of their task. The task that he has given them. He knows that task. He knows what it is. Look in verse number 7 and verse number 8. The Bible said, Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou, uh, thou hast given me are of thee. And I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they, were, they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didn't send me. You and I know from scripture they could not have known that. They could not have believed that had God not placed that in them. You and I couldn't, you and I would not know, we would not believe what we believe if it were not for Christ placing it in us. It is not us, it's God. And, and, and there again, uh, that go, even goes back to the glory of God. It is all to the glory of God. And it's to the glory of God alone. It's Amen. not to our glory, it's to His glory. Amen. What a blessing. But understanding 
that He prays for them because of their task. Because of what He's placed before them. Because He has called them to perform a work here on earth. Just like He's called us to perform a work here on earth. What is that work that He has given them? It is to share the gospel. It's to share the good news. It's to share what Jesus Christ has done. It's to share the fact. It is to share the fact that God is good. Man is not. And if God is good and man is not, there's a divide between them. And God came incarnate in the flesh to reconcile that back to Himself. What a blessing. What a tremendous truth that you and I get to share with this world. What a, what, a, what, a, what a great truth that we can share with mankind. That God is good, and because God is good, and because man is not, it took God to come to this earth to reconcile to Himself those things that had walked away from Him. God could not, and you and I know this, and I'm not going to belabor it this morning, but you and I understand God could not just openly across the board say, I forgive everybody. There had to be things, and we saw that even in the first five verses, there had to be things that Christ had to do in order to appease God, in order to satisfy the righteousness of God. And in order not only to satisfy the righteousness of God, but in order to, to, what am I looking for? In order to satisfy the righteousness of God and also to quench the wrath of God. Also to quiet the wrath of God. And how was that done? That was done by Jesus Christ and Him alone on the cross of Calvary. That was the only thing that... He is the only one. Christ is the only one that could satisfy the righteousness of God. He is the only one that could do as He prayed in verse number 1 through verse number 5 when He said... I finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He did everything the Father bade him to do. In in other words, when he did that, he satisfied the righteousness of God. But when he goes to the cross and he prays the second time and says the second time, it is finished. When he says that, he is quenching the wrath of God on our behalf. What a blessing. And that's what he's praying. He's praying for that task that is set before them. You and I would not have a task had Jesus Christ not come. Why? Because the wrath of God would not have been satisfied. The the righteousness of God would not have been satisfied. The wrath of God would not have been quenched. It had to be Christ that did those things. And it is Christ that is praying for us that we present that truth to this world, that we give that truth to this world about Jesus Christ taking care of those things. 
not only did he pray concerning the glory of God, not only did he pray concerning who they were and what they were, not only did he pray about their task, but he also prays for them because of their circumstances. What are the circumstances that we see? The circumstances are that they will remain in this world. Look in verse number 9 down through verse number 12. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them that thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come unto thee, or I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those that thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those whom thou gavest me I have kept and none have been lost but the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. What's he saying? The circumstances that they are in, the circumstances that we are in is that we are in the world. We are in the world. We're not to be of the world, but we are in the world. And as we are in the world, we should be, as He was, we should be the light of the world. Not that we can be the light of the world as He was the light of the world, but we can allow Him to shine through us His light. You and I outside of Christ have no light. But it is in Him that we have light that we can shine forth to this world. He says that we're to be salt, we're to be the light, we're to be all of these things that He gives us and He tells us that we're to continue that walk and we looked at that a couple of weeks ago, we're to continue that walk that Christ was walking on this earth. Why? That people may see God. That they may see who God is. He prays for them because of their circumstance. Their circumstance is that they are in the world. The same circumstance that you and I find ourselves in. And we don't need to... So many times if we're not careful once we get saved, we, we, get, we get the attitude that we would rather be out of the world and we'd rather be in heaven and we'd rather, we'd rather enjoy all those things that we think we're going to enjoy in heaven instead of being in the world, instead of being busy about the work that God has given us to do. We, <laughs> I'm not saying that we don't need to look forward to the time that we're going to be with Him face to face. But enjoy that time in this world that God has given us to be that light in this world. Enjoy that. Don't be so, don't be so caught up with 
I want to be out of this trouble and I want to be out of that trouble and I want to be out of this circumstance. I want to be out of that circumstance. I'm not saying that these circumstances are great and wonderful to be in, but I'm saying that God has chosen to allow us to be in the world and to be in these circumstances so that He is seen, so that He receives the glory. And if God... If God in any way will allow me to be any part of His work, what a privilege. What an opportunity. Even if it is in my suffering, if it allows people to see God, what a privilege. What an opportunity. Do I want to suffer? No. Do I want to go through things? No. But if I look at it in the right perspective, it does not stop me. It does not hinder me because I know that Christ is working in me. Christ is working through me. Christ is... The blessing about all of this is He's not leaving us alone. We're not here by ourselves. And we are Busy When we're in the middle of those times in our life, we're busy about the Father's business. You don't have to be some renowned evangelist. You don't have to be some great preacher. You don't have to be some... Uh, what, what is, what, what's the, the, the famous nurse that was that everybody talks about the first nurse or whatever. You don't have to be some great Florence Nightingale. You don't have to be, you don't have to be something great. Your everyday life, you're getting up in the morning and going to work. You're doing your task at work. You're coming home in the afternoons. You're mowing the yard. Is busy about the Father's business when you're doing it to the glory of God. It's not that you have to be, it's not that you have to be lifted up, that you have to be in some place of fame. In fact, it is so much contrary to that because it's to the glory of God. God wants our everyday life. Do you know what shines the glory of God? When you're out mowing your yard, just mow your neighbor's yard too. I was, I was out the other day and I said that because of this. And I'm not, I'm not pinning any roads. But I was just enjoying riding my lawnmower and my neighbor's front yard needed mowed. So I just went over and mowed his yard too. Amen. I didn't go inside and weed eat his fence. I didn't go to the, the hard task, but I just cut the main grass. What are you talking about? I just enjoyed it. It was enjoyable. I'm talking about those things that we can do on an everyday basis. I'm talking about that, 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 that time when you can, those people that you're working around and you, and you know they like a Butterfinger candy bar and you stop by the store and you just drop it off on their desk on the way by. For no reason. Not to pay back anything, just to let people see Christ in you. And I'm, I'm talking about genuinely out of your heart doing it because 
Not because you want to be some, some, some person that somebody will pat on the back. Not because, just because it is Christ working in you. What a joy to have God working in us and through us. The circumstances. We're in this world. We're not of this world. And if we'll see ourselves in the circumstances we're in and see ourselves in there because God wants us to be there, those circumstances won't be near as difficult. I'm not saying they won't be hard. I'm not saying we won't have hard times in our life. They won't be near as difficult if we have the right perspective. And that perspective is that we're there. We're where God wants us. And if God chose to place us here, that's where we are. Because that's where God wanted us. So that God could make Himself known through us. That's what Christ is praying about. He's praying not only for their circumstances that they're in this world, but he prays for them because he is anxious that his own joy may be fulfilled in them. Look in verse number 13 and 14. Verse number 13 and 14, he said, And now come I to thee, that these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy words, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Everybody always looks at the negativity of this verse. They always, the the messages that I always heard preached growing up is they're going to hate you because they hated Christ. That's not what God's trying to get us to see. Does the world hate us because they hated Christ? Yes. But but if we always look on the negative of everything, we're going to be negative. Look at what he says in this. The fact is that he wanted his joy to be in us. And if his joy is in us, that is the reason the world hates us. But if His joy is in us, the world hates us because His joy is in us, you and I are going to be a whole lot more focused on His joy than we're going to be focused on the world hating us. It's all about our focus. It's all about what we're looking at. Understanding that, that we're hated the world, yes, but the, why am I hated the world? I'm hated the world because the joy of Christ is in me. And I would a whole lot rather have the joy of Christ in me than have the world love me. You see, it is that joy that He wanted us to have. He wanted us to be filled with His... <laughs> I can't think of anyone else that would have had joy any better than Christ. And He wants us to have His joy. Is that not what He told His disciples in John chapter number 14? He said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He gave us His peace. He gives us His joy. If we could get the right perspective and quit turning things on its head, this life that you and I walk would be a joyful life. Why? Because we're walking in the joy of Christ. 
Again, does that mean everything's going to go perfect? No. We're not going to get everything we want. We're not going to have everything we want. to. It's not all going to go our way. But if we've got the joy of God down in our heart, it doesn't matter. If we've got the joy of God down in our heart, then we understand those things that He directs us away from from are are guarding us and helping us and, and protecting us against those things that could be coming down the road. It would be a whole, I would a whole lot rather somebody stop me short of falling into a pit of rattlesnakes than somebody rescuing me from that pit. Right. Right. I'd a whole lot rather be stopped before I get there than to be thrown in it and then get out of it. That's what he's praying. He's praying that our his joy may be full in us, may be fulfilled in us. As we consider not only why he prayed, let us consider this morning what he prayed. There's three things that I want to give you in light of this passage of scripture on the things that he prayed. Number one, he prays for them to be kept in true unity. With him. This this next portion of scripture, so many times people take this context of scripture and they center it around our unity with each other. While our unity with each other is encompassed in this scripture, it is not the main thrust of this scripture. The main thrust of this scripture is that we have true unity with Him. Because if I have unity with Him, I will have unity with you. If I do not have unity with Him, I will not have unity with you. So the unity is not so much so that we have brotherly and sisterly unity. It is that we have unity with Christ and if we have unity, if Brother Charles has unity with Christ, and Jeffrey has unity with Christ, and, and, and Brother James has unity with Christ, and I have unity with Christ, and we all get together, we're all going to be in unity with Christ. Right. Yes. So what matters is our unity with Christ. Amen. If we have that, we're going to have unity with each other. Yes. That's going to fall into place. He prays for this. He tells us this in verse number 14. He said, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they have not, are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. He, he's, he's placing in them the word of God. And the word of God in us causes us to have unity with God. And if we, once again, if we have that unity with God, we're going to have unity with each other. In, in, most, in most every church that experiences disunity in the church, the disunity is about Scripture. Why? Because they have not taken the Word in light of what God said in His Word. And they have disunity with each other. If you and I are unified in the Word of God, we're going to be unified with each other. 
If we're gathered, and, and that does not mean that you have to believe every interpretation of Scripture that I think. That does not mean that I have to believe every interpretation of Scripture that you think. That just means that what we see in Scripture, the great thrust of the Scripture is what? Seeing ourselves in Christ. Seeing the gospel of what God has done for mankind to save mankind and being centered around those things. If we're centered around those things, we may differ eschatologically. We may have different views and different ideas of maybe when this is going to happen or when that's going to happen. But the great things of Scripture, the things of Christ, the things of God, the things of the virgin birth, those things that matter, we can gather around and we can have unity around. And if we have that unity with God, we're going to have unity with each other. Look in verse number 15 and 16. He not only prays that they keep unity with Him and thereby have unity with each other, but He also prays that they be kept from the evil one. Verse number 15 and 16. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. The great prayer of Christ in this is that you and I would be guarded from the evil one. How are we going to be guarded from the evil one? We see it in the rest of His prayer, on down in His prayer. Where are we? Where do we find our guard from the evil one? We find it in His truth. What is it when when Christ was taken into the wilderness. When He went into the wilderness, we came out of the wilderness and He was tempted three times by Satan Himself. What was His response to every temptation? Thus saith the Word of God. Amen. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every temptation was taken back to Scripture. What are you saying? I'm saying that you and I are in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. We have the Word of God, and the Word of God will protect us from the evil one. When He comes and tries to sidetrack us, and tries to tell us, well, you know, this over here is not so much... We'll be able to say, no, this is what God said. And I'm taking God at His word. And that's what He's trying to tell us. Not only does He pray that they are kept in unity with Him, thereby being kept in unity with each other, but He prays that they're kept from the evil one, but also He prays that they may be sanctified, that they may be set apart for the great work which He has given them to do. And I keep saying them, but it, it includes us. Mm-hmm. It hasn't included us yet. It is going to... He is, he is specifically going to include us a few verses from now. But in light of this Scripture, He is praying specifically for those disciples and He is saying, He is praying that they may be sanctified, that they may be set apart for the great work which He has given them to do. Look in verse number 17 down through verse number 19. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. What? Thy word is truth. 
as thou hast sent me in, sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. There's that task again that He's given us to do. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Christ is praying. He's praying specifically. He's praying for the unity in Him. Not, not, he's not, once again, He's not praying for that unity among us. He's praying for our unity in Him because if our unity in Him is right, our unity around each other is going to be right. He is praying that we're kept from the evil one. How do we do that? Through the truth. Through the Word of God. And then He's praying that we'll be sanctified. How are we sanctified? We're sanctified through Thy truth. Thy truth. Thy Word is Thy truth. In conclusion this morning, in light of everything that we've looked at, we should note the loving attitude that God has toward us in His prayer. The loving attitude that He has... There are some astounding things that are said here. First, he states that I have manifest thy name in them. God is manifesting the name of God in us and through us. What a blessing. He is doing that that the world may see Christ, that they may glorify God. What is the ultimate end of man? What is the ultimate purpose of man? That we glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Amen. That is the ultimate purpose of man to begin with. That is the ultimate end of man. Is there not going to be a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? What? To the glory of God. Everything is to the glory of God. To the glory of God alone. Then we notice the statement... Thine they were, and Thou gavest them Me. And they have kept My Word, or the Word. Let me, let, in, in, looking at this, when He said they have kept the Word, have you read the Gospels? Over and over in the Gospels, they're quarreling with each other. They're jealous over one another. They desire, desire preeminence over the other one. They fall short and forsake Him. And even in the very end, they forsake Him and flee. How then can Christ say they kept the Word? Because it is all through Him. It's not my actions or inactions. It's through Him that we're kept. Therefore, we have a great high priest who is praying a prayer in John chapter number 17. And in His prayer, these are the things we find. We find that He is sympathetic. That He's understanding 
that He's loving, that He's seeing what is true of us and committing us to God in terms of what He sees is true of us in this flesh. And He does all of that. Not when, when Christ is praying, He does not mention our deficiencies. He does not mention our weaknesses. He does not mention our faults. He does not mention our failures. But He is saying, they are kept and they have kept the Word. How? Through Him. And through Him alone. That's the only means of the Word being kept. I'm not... When He said they kept the Word... They didn't keep it in themselves. They kept it as they rested in Him. The more that we find rest in Christ, the more of the Word that we will keep. And, and understand, if that be the case, it will not be that you woke up and determined you were going to keep the Word. Right. It's that you just rested in Christ because you understood you couldn't keep it anyway. That's right. It's all about rest in Him. It's all about understanding who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Even Christ's prayer has to deal with us resting in Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this day. We thank You for the truth of the Scriptures. We thank You for the the illumination of the Scriptures. We thank You for bringing light to the Scriptures to our hearts. Lord, we ask You this morning that You would do in every one of our hearts what You would have to be done because You are the only one that can do it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.